Gaming NBS, episode 249, being recorded Sunday, June 30th, 2019. Welcome to Gaming NBS Tabletop RPG Podcast. I'm Sean. And I'm Brett. Welcome to the show, folks. Glad you're all here. How you doing, Sean? I'm doing fantastic, Brett. How are you? Not bad. I think uh, you have a new fur baby. Do you have oh, a new fur God, baby? Oh, God, I do. I, did, I do. It's <laughs> it's a gremlin. A gr- it looked like a gremlin, the it's picture like, I saw. I think I'm going to name him Ralph. It's five pound gremlin. My cats dwarf this thing. Like it's it's weird because I knew my. I've cats seen your are, your cats are fucking huge, dude. My cats are big, and then I bring down <clears throat> bring this like like palm in your. It's a bit bigger than your palm, but I could prick it up by the palm of my hand. It's a yeah, small dog. Yeah, it's very small. Is it a uh, rescue uh, single yes. breed? Okay, rescue from the great state of Arkansas. I see. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so we have affectionately named her Daisy. We'll see if it works out. My, my other dog's a little perturbed, which I knew he would be, but my wife doesn't listen to me. So I think you call it Ralph because it looks like a Ralph. Uh, it's a gender female. side, gender side looks like a Ralph to me. Oh my God. This thing is such a, Tam's like, boy, is she ugly. <laughs> she's ugly in a charming way. Ugly in a charming way. It's like a bearded lady. Yeah. Charismatic. Like she's a female and then she looks like she's got these whiskery, white scraggly. Beard. Yeah, she's scraggly. scraggly. Yeah. I don't know. Whatever. Well, we'll, yeah. we'll, ch- we'll check in next week and see yeah. how it's going. Yeah. So, <laughs> did you get any gaming done this weekend? No gaming this weekend. I, uh, I don't have a game this weekend. Next, uh, I don't have no one next weekend either. Oh, that sucks, dude. The sixth, I think, is my next game. That's next weekend. That's Saturday. It is Saturday. No, yeah. yes, it yes. is Saturday. Yeah, so that's my online game. Did you game this weekend? Twice. My son, AJ, ran his Crips and Creatures game for Alana and I. Crips and Creatures. And that was a lot of fun. That's by Pick Up and Go Games. Good folks. And I also ran for Lord Tentacle, Shannon, the Alaskan uh, gamer who's a backer of our show and a supporter of our of the Avalon Kickstarter, which, yes. Shannon was kind enough to do as VC did and pay for the, hey, Brett's going to run a game for me. I wasn't able to. I'm like, shit, I'd love to go to Alaska and hang out with this guy. I just can't afford Before you get tripped out to, <laughs> down the Chicago, it was a hell of a lot cheaper than a, a last-minute trip, if you will, up to Alaska. So we did it online. Um Shannon and I got a bit of a timing cross. I'm like, okay, noon my time. He goes, yep, noon central time. And then he realized, and I realized that that's like 8.30 a.m. their time, 9 o'clock a.m. There, he and three of his players, they showed up, all four of them, bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, first thing in the morning, dish characters out, asked questions, and got rolling. It was a hell of a good time. Damn good time. Damn good time. The question everybody wants to know is, did anybody die? Did you kill anybody? I know I crippled someone. Well. <laughs> yeah, one of the uh, one of the, one of the characters. He uh, let me make sure I get this here. I want to make sure I get the. He was playing Sarge. It was Dan. Dan's character ended up when the uh, the poison, the Gorgon poison, when it hit him, he made the original Constitution save. Started to feel the burn of the acidic 
priest of the poison. Like, oh, it must be acid, so forth. And next round, he's like, wait a minute, that's that's kind of petrifying me, son of a bitch. And he went down, and um, <laughs> they got came over. And Corey, she runs up. She's playing Ty the Bard. She's like, hey, I've got this healing potion. I said, Ty, you got two choices: stop the petrification, and Sarge, your fighter is still down, or you could heal Sarge when you get back in the fight. But he'll be battling the petrification. She goes. Fight to be had. Sorry, you'll have to deal with that later. One problem at a time. <laughs> he came up. They were able to find a street alchemist and uh, cured part of it, but his right arm doesn't work so well, and he's got other problems. It was really good. That'll throw your arthritis into a turmoil there, test downward spiral. Shannon's other buddy, Cy, wanted to play a... Uh, he said, I want to be a halfling barbarian that lives in the sewer. I'm like, okay, this bargeman... Sewer, yeah, I can make that work. So he was a halfling, or I should say bargeman, out of Avalon, barbarian who had left his own clan and was living here helping to protect the neighborhood. It was it was a good character. A lot of fun. Crazy little bugger. Tons of fun. Heck of a good game. You know, these. You know, the more, the cool part about this, and like I said, when I played with VC's game, those guys were great. I'd play with them anytime. And same with Shannon's crew. I, if they were nearby, I'm like, you know, we should we should get together all the time and play because this group is amazing. I would have done, you know, if I was nearby these guys, I'd be like trying to get into their groups. So very good stuff. Very, very good stuff. So thank you again, Shannon, for your support and for inviting me to run a game for you. That was very, very kind. Thank you. Yeah. All right. What other news have we got? Well, we got GameholeCon.com. If you're running games, doing different things. You need to get out there. I believe they published their list, and people are able to now start to fill out their wish lists for games. So events tend to fill up pretty damn fast. So get out there, get your wish list populated, and uh, wait with bated breath when they say go, and then hit that damn button as quick as you can. So that is coming. Uh, let's see, evercon.org, our 20th anniversary. Again, that's in January. A little bit of time yet, but check that out. If you can run a game for us, that would be great. Um, last bit of Avalon Kickstarter update, our hard copy process. We're waiting on the proofs. We got the, um, we got the proof copies ordered. Those will show up at the encoded design studios. They will review, make sure we're good and, uh, then start doing some fulfillment. So it should be pretty slick. I did talk to Chris Nizak earlier today, uh, about something I wanted to add into the what's in the box, um, reward level. So I'm going to get that to him so we can slide that in there. So that should be pretty cool. Um, this was our last month for Awesome Dice, too, right, Sean? It is. And the winner for the last set of dice for Awesome Dice is... Um, hold on. Peter. Any last name? <laughs> I don't have a last name. And so if your name is also Peter and you did register with a last name... Then it's not you. Aha. But we have the email of the individual who signed up, though, correct? We have the email, and I'm afraid to put out the email because then it may be like, a, a, if you are named Peter and you want to know if you won, write us and I'll let you know. But it's it's just a per, we don't require a last name to sign up to our email list. Well, nothing else, you're going to email Peter and let him know, right? But I will email Peter and say, hey, is it okay to pass along your information, Awesome Dice, so you can get a set of dice? I believe this Peter lives in Arizona, if I'm not mistaken, if that helps. Cool. Um, so yes, one thanks. of two Peters that live in Arizona, we, <laughs> okay. I guess, I don't know, 
But uh, thanks for everybody. It, the, just because the awesome dice, free dice is going away doesn't mean that you can't sign up to our email list. We have yet, ever since this has kicked off, we have yet to send out a email to, we're wait, to we're anybody. Waiting. It's gonna get. It's gonna yeah, be a big we're one. Waiting for cool. the. We're, we're waiting for the good one to send out. <laughs> we've taken. We've written a couple. Trashed them because they're terrible, but they're coming. Oh, and I do. We should also thank the guys, and uh, I should say the entire team at AwesomeDice.com. Yes. Those folks were awesome. That was very nice of them. Uh, they came to us and said, "Hey, we'd like to do this, and uh, we like you guys, Brett and Sean. We like to support you. This is a great way to do that." So, big thank you to Awesome Dice. Um, so again, remember AwesomeDice.com. If you need dice for your gaming, check them out. Yeah, AwesomeDice.com. Cool. Yep, Brandon and the gang over at. At that uh, organization, yeah, so they were really cool. Some. Yeah. So yeah. Anything else? Do we have any random encounter this week? We don't. What? I don't think so. That I means- looked everywhere. I looked near and far. I didn't see anything. Let me double check my email, my okay. personal email. One. So more that time. means that either the last episode was fucking boring. Everyone agreed with us. Well, it did get out late. Everyone disagreed with us so strongly they just couldn't bear to send us their vitriol. Or um, it's summertime and people are beyond on their podcasts. Or Sean is late, was late getting it out. Yeah, I was late getting it out. But nonetheless, usually somebody will trickle in from the, like a few episodes ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but we didn't. And that's okay. It's fine. It's not a big deal. Totally fine. Yeah. Uh, so I guess we can go right into the main topic. Yeah, let's jump in there and see where we go. All right. All right. You ready? I'm ready. All right. So this this one came to me when I was running, well, I should say when AJ was running Crips and Creatures. There's a thing that he does that my daughter Lana does as well. And I've actually noticed other, my oldest son does this. And I can't tell if it's just because they're younger in the gamer sphere and whatnot. But as game masters, they use metagaming terms a lot of times to describe options and things in front of us as players. For example, we're uh, Ilana and I, my daughter and I, our characters, I've got two, she's got one, so three characters, we're in a position where we're trying to figure out what to do next. And AJ describes the options in front of us like, hey, well, the king has hired you to do this, you've also found about this, this, and this. And he said, so you have the main quest, which will help drive the main storyline, or you could do these two side quests, which will help get you more experience to tackle the main storyline. And that struck a really odd chord in my head. I went, whoa, oh, don't use that language, kid. Oh, that's a bad idea. And Lana went, oh, okay, that sounds good. So the main quest will still be there even if we do these side quests? And AJ said, of course, they'll still be there, which is, I think, probably a bit of a holdover from his computer gaming and such. But he's like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you could do these side quests. You have plenty of time to do them. Oh, okay. So we mull it over, do the side quest, come back. And I talked to him later, and I said, AJ, if I were you... I wouldn't say the term side quest out loud. That's like an internal thing, like a metagaming. It's a tag that you keep in your head like, hey, this is a side quest. But let us figure out if it is important or not. Maybe we'll do it. Maybe we won't. And my son looked at me and said, why? (laughs) I said, well, why did you do it? And he said, well, I wanted you to know that you didn't have to complete all of these quests and, and plots that I threw at you if you just wanted to go right to the main action. He said, I wanted you to know right away that this was extra and that it wasn't required. I'm like, huh. 
Interesting. Thought about it. And I said, do you do this when you run for your buddies? He said, oh, yeah. That way they don't get the, that way when they, they sit there and try to decide what they're going to do, I just explain it to them so they can decide and then we can just keep moving. I'm like, huh. Interesting. Yeah. Because we, we talk about metagaming terms a lot of times from goddamn players always metagaming sons of bitches. But Sean, you know, I thought about it and I think we as game masters tend to do a little bit of metagaming ourselves in our language when we're talking to players. Maybe not quite as overt as AJ was. With side quests, but I think it's stuff we do sometimes. Do you, uh, does that wreck a chord with you? Do you, th- do you agree with me? Or what do you think after I say that? Well, I haven't had it. It's such a. In your face? A, it's such a unique way. Because uh, I, I would agree. Like, well, okay. So he's not doing it wrong. Oh, of course not. Just- but at the same time, it's kind of. Um, I would agree not to let the players kind of know because they don't well it's it's very pick your own path. Yes. And that's okay to pick mm-hmm. your own path, but when it's like so blatantly obviously like hey like you could go down like you could do this, you could do X, Y, and Z, but just so you know, it has nothing to do with the main story. Yeah. It's just if you want to go get magic item A or you this way you can get this magic item this way you get gold and this way you get plot stuff I don't know yeah something else a, a colleague I don't know you know what this reminded me of though a little bit I remember you were saying you were running Lost Minds of Fendover yes and everybody tried to assume that every plot you threw at them was all interconnected I think that was you that was telling me that right where the group was like, oh, my God, we have all this stuff. We got the sashes and the bandits and the brigands and the whoosies and what's and wizards and spiders. And, oh, my God, it's all connected. It's not. <laughs> Spoiler, potentially. Um, but AJ's theory was that if I just tell you, you'll be able to make a decision faster. And like I said, I'm like, huh, that's interesting because one of the challenges we have is Game Master. Would you just make up your fucking mind, players? We book, pick a goddamn direction and go. But yet we want to have that that mystery, that wonder feeling of is it connected or not. And it, it also made me think of those times when you're trying to describe something and you're desperately saying, and the player says, well, how far away is he? And you're like, look, what are you trying to do? Well, I want to see if I can drop a fireball right behind him and not hit my friends. Yes, you can do that. So that that point where we're when the player and the game master are trying to describe something back and forth, like is he about thirty feet away? I mean, if I were to, let's say, I had a sphere of flaming death, it was thirty feet by thirty feet, and I tried to put it somewhere, could I? And sometimes we just cut right through it as game masters, and we say, "What are you trying to do?" They describe to you the very tactical, metagamey, rules basedy thing. You say, "Yes, you can do that," and then you jump back in the game. And I think we're very used to doing that in combat scenarios and those type of skill checky things. When it came down to furthering the plot as to which path to take, I don't know if I've ever been as obvious as what AJ was that time. And I don't know, like you said, it's not wrong. It was just so different. It hit a discordant note in my ear. I'm like, man, this is not right. And I thought about it. I'm like, yeah, I don't know. Maybe there's some, maybe there's something to that, especially for newer players to help them know, look, you can do this or not. And I wonder if using those me- that metagaming language to call out the obvious to help to inform your players to- so that they can keep things moving 
if there's value in that or if it's too much. What do you think, Sean? Hmm. Uh, I'm I'm not an. I mean, I know there's times, and we've gone over metagaming. Mm-hmm. I think there's time. There's a time and a place for it, or it's part of the culture of your game. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. Maybe people always play like that, and that's just kind of the deal. Like you, in order to play this game, we encourage the meta talk. At the table, how many hit points are you down? Oh, I'm down 20. Okay, I go over and heal them. Okay, great, thanks. You feel better. Um, you get eight points back. Great. Um, hey, I was, well, let's see, I'm going to try to do this. Could, well, let me go and I'll do that. Yeah. And yeah. I'll do that first and then you can go. There are some people that get completely bent out of shape about that type of approach. Um, Alex is funny. Camer, he, he, I've seen him squash some of that at a table mm-hmm. at, at, even at a con, like he's like, all right, sounds good. Um, so, you know, um, that's cool and all, but you're, you gotta be there or whatever. And he, he does it somewhat politely, but I even, yeah, I don't know. I, so, so as game master, have you ever had those times where you look at the players and say, look, here's the deal. You know they're they're trying to they're having an in character discussion. They can't figure out what way to go yes. or something to do, and you kind of cut through the crap and go yes. here. Let me lay this metagaming whammy on you. That I think we need to do. I think sometimes we have to look at it as a game master to be their subconscious intelligence. It's this. This is the perfect example I point out in in when I'm referring to this. You recap the session, or a lot of stuff has happened throughout an six hour game period and you're in hour seven mm-hmm. and you've done this, you've done that, you've con- done it combat and they get to a point where there's kind of a lull or a dead end and it's them around a campfire or them sitting in a room in a dungeon mm-hmm. wondering what to do. And they're talking at the table amongst themselves. And I will picture them, whether it's first person or third person, they are in some way or shape or form discussing that player to player, even though it may not seem like it. I just kind of assume that that's what's going on. Mm -hmm. What will typically happen is if I think somebody has a fact incorrectly and I think that their player character would already know that, right? Oh, yeah, because there's that disassociation, right? Your character was obviously there and saw that the demon was blue and you said orange. Right. They misconstrue it or forget. You know, They, as a player, forget. But their character, I would think, isn't or hasn't. The one thing that I'm going to be running is mass of Narolethotep, and I think a lot of it's going to come down to, okay, if you remember everything, this is how last session left off, or this is, you know, okay, hold on a second, time out, time out. Let me explain everything again. You know, it's rereading the clue or rereading the riddle because they'll write it down and they'll write it down incorrectly or they'll convey it improperly, and I'll say, no, no, it's this. So it's it's an example where you're kind of correcting their brains and saying, oh, you know, I thought that was a, you know, I thought that was this. And then and you're like, oh, no, 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 no. Now that I think about it, I was wrong. And that wrong piece and correction is conveyed by the game master. I think that's one of those wonderful times when you get past the, 
Oh, well, my character would have noted that. I'm sorry yes. I, Brett, didn't, but, you know, Marvo, the wondrous mage with a 52 intelligence and a didactic memory, obviously knows this. Right. You know, yeah, but you didn't write it down because there are players I, I have met over the years that would be like, no, never do that. Never do anything like what you just said. If they, if they are the players, fuck it up. That's their fault. I think saying it's an old school way to play is almost perhaps insulting per, uh, to some old school players, but I think there is a method where it's a chant where the player skill is more important than the character skill, right? Where you're using, whether you use a player or tracking the stuff correctly or not. Um, but yeah, I think you're right. In those cases, that because what you're doing when you do that, that's all meta. That's all meta gaming. They're stepping outside what's happening, whatever immersion or however you want to say it, in your explaining to them in an omniscient narrator type of approach. This is the deal. And like I said, when AJ did that with, well, this is a side quest versus the official thing, it seemed like it seemed jarring to me. But then I thought, you know, he when he runs games a couple times, he ran one game at a con, actually a couple games at a con, and he wants to make sure that things keep moving and people aren't bored and that they understand what they need to do. He injects that, he told me. He like he said he likes to do that. He didn't say injects. He said, I like to tell them that thing so that they know what they need to do so that they can keep going. I want them to have a good time. AJ so, does that? AJ did that. I said, okay, that makes sense. I said, do you do that with your friends? He said, yeah, because if I don't, sometimes they just get all goofy and don't pay attention, and this helps keep them in line. And I said, oh, yes, you're a teenage boy playing with other teenage boys. I totally know. That. I, I've i seen that. I've been that. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, gets into freaking slap, slapstick shit. And, and yeah. I think the other thing that's interesting from from he and Alana both playing game, uh, playing online games or computer games and what things I don't play because I get motion sick and crap and I just don't have time to play them. And I don't enjoy them all that much. But it's very obvious, AJ was telling me, I can't remember which game it was, it was Skyrim or something he was playing. He said, well, it's really obvious when you find a side quest and some of the games he plays. I said, really? He goes, oh yeah, you, you show up, you're walking down this path and you're following the main, the main storyline. You can tell you're on the main storyline and then you know, rando peasant number five comes up and says, you know, how fast my husband is lost. I wish you would find him for me. He's like, it's very clearly a side quest. So everyone just refers to it as, oh, here's a side quest. Oh, here's a extra thing to do. So to him, that language, that metagaming language is natural way to describe an in-game event. I think because he's drawing from the uh, the computer gaming that he does. Yeah, I, I, I don't doubt it. Well, and it's, it's, I mean, when I ran Lost Mine of Fandelver, I mean, everybody knew. They just knew. Like, it was not wholly dissimilar. Where yeah. You'd meet somebody and they'd have some um, dilemma that they were facing. And they would say, you know, if you could help me, you know. And I think that's, I'm sure they have that in the new D&D Essentials module of, of Ice Spire's Peak. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I know, as a matter of fact, I know they do. So, but it, it's also a way as a, for a sandbox to not go to the end of the story at first level or yeah, to gain boons, right? So, hey, you want to gain a boon? Like, do you want a bonus? Do you want a boon? Then take this side quest 
you know, get the magic item and then come back and go back on the path that you, that you were. Which is kind of a weird metagamey thing to do in itself. It's like, oh, I know this is a side quest, even though AJ didn't say side quest directly. I know it is right. because rando NPC5 said my husband is lost. I'll go do this so I can get money and then come back and do this other thing. And I know that then I can complete the main quest. I, I think, think it, it, yeah. if the world was static like that, right, if you portray the world like that, and AJ is only 13, right, so he's just kind of feeling out how to run campaigns and right. make the world a living place. And I think for us, grizzled old gamers, we see that and go, ah, no way would the, you know, no way would the main storyline just sit there stagnant waiting for you to show up. And, oh, Lord, you just showed up when the Baylor arrived and started burning the temple. No, if that was slated to happen on the 5th and you showed up on the 6th, I guess what, you're a day late and a dollar short. You know, but that's not how AJ sees it. He sees it as, like, by the time you get there, the cool thing has to happen. So it's... It's a little different approach. Well, I think it's a. I think if you do it that way, and I think we're going off of metagaming and going more towards how do you handle these weird quests, side quests. Well, it is, but he's arc. doing it specifically, right? To, so I think there's a tie into both. There is, yeah. And yeah. it's just it's just interesting to me that he used the term, saw nothing wrong with it. Ilana got it immediately and said, "Oh, okay. Well, that means we have time to do this thing." Blah blah blah. It helped us make a decision to go do something. Well, it's a little more extreme version of your, of your example as if you run down what's going on in our investigation into the mythos, you say, now remember after you're sitting around the library, whatever it is, let me recap this for you. Ah, yes. Okay. Based on that recap, we will go to visit old man withers and see what he has to say. Instead of just waiting for the players to figure out that Old Man Withers is the empty thing they haven't done yet. Well, so these things, you if so I think you can run them, and I think people will put them into place. Even, even old school will put these and drop these in as nuggets, especially if they're doing more of a sandbox, because it gives, you, gives the players a hook to kind of grab onto. But at the, also at the same time, so let's say... In in your example or AJ's example, there was a main plot where you go into town and you're supposed to investigate stuff or there's somebody that's missing. You're trying to find them. Mm-hmm. And in so doing, you're you come across the woman. So you've traveled. You need to stay at the end and you have no gold. And you come across the woman whose husband is missing or not missing, but, you know, you need something retrieved. And if you do, I need something retrieved and I know where it is. I just can't go and get it myself. But if you hardy adventurers would be able to go and retrieve it, I would be more than happy to pay you 50 gold. Yep. Well, we need money. We don't have any money. And so the adventure storyline is going to come to an abrupt halt because we need a place to stay. We don't have any food. So we may want to knock this out, go be guns for hire. It should be no problem. We already know where it is. We'll go there. We'll kill the water majigger, and then we'll get... We'll bring back the thing, get the 50 gold, and then we go about ourselves. So I think if you run it into, like, there's a need to actually do that versus, oh, I get a couple experience points and I get to level up. And, like, it's so – and it's not so disjointed. You don't have that metagaming feeling. Right. Boom, you hit a wall. Yeah. Oh, I think I think from AJ's <laughs> experience, it's lack of experience, right? And sure. it doesn't again, it's not right or wrong. No. 
But like like I said, it just it struck me as an interesting way we talk about the infamous clue by four when the players are not doing anything, you just whack them upside the head with it. The clue by four, and I think the game master's use of metagaming is the, our way to clue by four. Those our players, you whack walk up to him and kunk, and you say, "Look, your character Waldo the Magnificent." Has been studying demons for the last 50 years, you've said, right? Yes, you were the foremost authority on demons, right? So you would know that this is a... A what? A fucking demon! What the hell is wrong? Of course you know it's a demon. Come on, Waldo the Magnificent. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm being a dummy. You're clue by four, the guy. Yeah. And I think AJ is perhaps pulling out the clue by four a little too soon and just tapping us with it. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's... I mean... I get it, but then it's like, well, so I would ask him, why Why would you want to pull out side quest and point it out to the player so blatantly obvious, other I, than just knowing you do it from video games or whatever? I asked him, and he said he wanted to make sure that we knew that there were opportunities to get experience and treasure and maybe magic items to help us on our main quest. Right. So they would they would help. They would assist. That's what, yeah, that's what yeah. he believes. Yep. That, that's all. It would be helpful to have this. Oh, yeah, right. So I think the. Not the, that you can't complete it without it, but it would sure be helpful. Right. So it goes back to me, my point saying that if you did this, you would get a benefit that would help you. And yeah, no, that makes sense. Yeah, but he's just really like, hey. Smack. Oh, what's that? Oh, that's that's a side quest. How do you know? It's got side quest written on the guy's T-shirt right there. Yeah. Uncle side quest. So I think what the, was interesting to me. The green question mark above the guy's head, <laughs> That's right? how, how do you know? He has something to say. Green question something. mark. Well, the other pieces that was interesting is then I thought about it and I talked to him afterwards. And I'm like, huh, why are you doing that? And asking him questions. And he's, then he, of course, is like. Did I do something wrong? I'm like, no, no, no. You no. didn't do anything wrong. There's nothing wrong with it. I said, you just don't have the experience with it. And I said, that's not bad. But what I'm going to tell you is this is how I would do it. And I think while I was having this discussion, and Lana said to me that that's the thing that makes her nervous. I'm like, what do you mean that makes you nervous? She said, well, if I think I'm doing something wrong when I'm running a game for my friends or when I ran a game at Evercon last year, then I get nervous and I start shaking because I'm afraid I've screwed up and my players aren't going to have any fun. I'm like, huh, okay. Talk to AJ. And he's like, yeah, I agree because I wanted to make sure that everybody was having fun and they knew what was supposed to happen so that they didn't make a bad decision and then were disappointed. And I think that the overuse or the very obvious use of Game Master metagaming terminology in that case was inexperienced game master trying to make sure that we as players had the most optimum fun. Like, you know, that's, that's hard to, that's hard to say no to, right? If your goal was, I want to make you, I want to make it so you can have fun. That's pretty cool. I thought, you know, that's kind of nice because as newer game masters, that is a thing that I'm pretty sure if I hearken back to my early days, I scared the crap out of you or didn't necessarily scare you, but could make you nervous is like, if I fuck this up or if somebody didn't understand, you want to be as clear as possible. Cause the biggest fights I ever remember in my high school days, when somebody said something that could be taken two or three different ways, then you'd have an argument for the next five hours about which way it should be said. 
but I um I, I think it's I don't know I I just again I thought it was a really interesting thing to do and it doesn't necessarily need to be course corrected it's not like oh that's a bad way to game master it's different it's very overt but I think when you're new when your new game masters are doing things if you're playing with a new game master and they use metagaming terms that's okay right because they're new at it they're getting experience and it might be one of those things where after the game you can say that was great however i bet you, you could you don't have to tell me it's a side quest right away you could have done this this or this and that would have worked too no one's mad at you it worked totally fine but hey if you want to change it up a little bit and be a little more you know like the rest of us old codgers do you could try it this way Does that makes sense Sean? yes Yes, I guess it does. But I also think that it's inevitable. Like I said, I I, might have hinted this before. If I watched myself run or play a game when I was 13, Mm -hmm. I would have probably slapped shit out of myself. Oh, hell yeah. Nowadays. Oh, fuck yeah. Right? Like, what in the hell? What is wrong with you? What is wrong with, what is that, what is that kid doing? So, but at the time, it was like the greatest thing ever. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is the greatest thing ever. Yeah. And the <laughs> so things sometimes. I mean, we age differently. We see things differently. Uh, I can't imagine how our games have morphed as we've become adults, and you know whatever. Like I would, I can't imagine I'm running a game that's even close to as bad as I used to be. Right. <laughs> yeah, Sorry. pretty much. So there's an element of, you know, of course, AJ being 13 and and doing his thing, and the game, the kids that he's playing with is not obviously wrong. It's just different for sure, and I don't think it's wholly different. Because we still run, I mean, we could run, you and I could run that same adventure, still have those same encounters, but it wouldn't be as abrupt yeah. in in how he presented it, right? We, mm-hmm. we, 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 you and I would probably be very highly unlikely to say, hey, that's a side quest. You don't have to do it if you don't want to. Now, I could also, if I were to run for 10 or 13-year-old kids, would that be something I would tell them? Not me, myself, now. Like going back, if I ran a game you, for AJ after, and his after running for crew, run, after running running for AJ and his kit and the crew, sometimes that is helpful to keep shit moving. Sure. Oh, so does it get bogged down in quagmire? Like it can be. Well, I don't know. Should we do this? Should we do that? Well, we could maybe get some more gold over there. But well, I don't know if the. I mean, we're supposed to be at the dragon in like three days, and it's like day two. Do we really have time? And oh, geez. And you know, you look at the clock. Like we got two hours left to play, kids. So uh, how about we move this along? Well, in all fairness, they. I can see where they're conscious. We want to do the right thing. Absolutely. It and maybe it's not the right thing. It's just they want to. Well, maybe it is, right? Like Brett is laying out this story. If we go off this one path, is he going to be mad at us? Or is that is that the wrong way? Are we going to screw things up? Yeah. Can can we get to the end if we do this? You know, yeah. what, what if we what if we mess this up so bad we can't get to the ending? Right. Or, or we, we all, can't save the day or whatever. Or half our party dies because we went and wanted to get a stupid wand. Yeah. 
that exactly. may not have anything to do with the ending. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's... Uh, this would suck. Th- that is some good convo. So anyway, I just... I The other piece that's interesting, like I said, is when you... The different things we do as Game Masters to uh, when we have metagaming talk. And some it's the recap. I know some people would say, fuck all that, never recap anything for them. That's their own goddamn fault. They don't take notes. I, I can't do that. That's a little harsh in my opinion. Sean, are there other things that, from a Game Master perspective, you metagame with your players ever besides the old recap? Um, I don't, you know, I'm sure I have. It's not that I've completely ruled it out. And I've been a little bit more flexible since the days of, you know, yelling at a player for metagaming when, you know, hey, you can't say that you're not there. Um, I just kind of go with it. Like, I could give a shit. I, I just don't want to be so uptight where it's such a such a big deal. Got it. I mean, there's points in time where it's, you know, now just, just keep in mind you're not there. Oh, yeah, that's true. Well, yes, and sometimes just clarifying that is to ensure I know that they're not there. Right. So if there's a, like, that's when I run into stuff like, Oh, Hey, we, you should tell them this. Like, you're not, you're not in the room. You have no idea this is going on. Yeah. So sometimes that game master metagaming thing is for clarification for our own sake yes. and for everybody else. Right. Cause all right, hang on a second. I mean, I did this. I thought with, you weren't there. <clears throat> oh, now you did go in there. Yeah. I had to do that with, um, with t- today's game with Shannon and, and the crew. So I'm like, okay, so Sarge and Ty, are you guys coming? No, wait, we're we're last. Okay, so it's just Hawkeye and Sal in first. Yes, okay. So we do. That's a regular tool that game masters use, and I think it's it's interesting how we use it judiciously or more appropriately in certain cases, especially when it comes to clarity. And that's why I said kind of at the beginning that the the combat issue, right? Where is everything tactically? Especially if you're doing theater of the mind, it becomes very, very helpful to um, call that shit out, right? So yeah. that so that there's no tactical error. Oh, I thought I was six feet to the left. I didn't know he was ten feet to the left, or whatever the case is. So I think that's one really good reason why we as game masters need to have the metagaming piece. But I think it's when it comes into story description, plot movement, and so forth. If you clue by for that too hard, too often it's jarring or can be seen as jarring. I guess yeah. that's kind of what we're saying. Hmm. <laughs> so I'll tell AJ that Sean said he's wrong and he's losing his game master's card. <laughs> he should put that in an envelope addressed to gaming NBS yes. <laughs> in Madison, Wisconsin. And I yes. will hold it for him. He will be able to reobtain it at some point when he at grows up. Point. Yeah, when he grows hear, up and stop making mistakes. When I hear those weird antics he's using, have been ceased. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that's pretty much all I had. I just thought it was it was an interesting, kind of a clash of, yeah, things that happened, and the fact that he was younger at it, and I wondered how many other game masters, in, when they're starting, no matter their age, may use that metagaming type of language. And I don't think it's bad, especially with new players. Sometimes to lay that stuff out as you're teaching and experimenting and learning different pieces to be a little clue by four heavy, really kind of hit people with what's really going on 
and uh, just to help them push along the plots and so on and so forth. So anyway. Fair. That's all I had, man. Nothing too heavy this week, but nothing too heavy. But it was just it was interesting and something I just recently experienced. So I figured to talk yeah. about it. All right. Yeah. Let's uh are you as heavy handed in your metagaming? Are you Hey, go down this path. You might run into a Gru. Yeah, I mean, what it, what this comes down to is, as your storyline, your plot, whatever is going on, whatever is happening as the plot's moving, do you metagaming term anything within that plot? Do you help the players make decisions on which direction to go? Left, right, center, up, down, forward, back, whatever. Do you help them along the way when they need it? Or preemptively? Are they all on their own? Yeah. Preemptively even tell them such things like, hey, guys, just so you know, there's a side quest coming up. Side quest. Do you tell them that right out of the gate? Are you going to be uncle or auntie side quest? Exactly. Yeah. Be interested to know like where you draw the line. Yeah. Like I said, AJ saw no problem with it. And I'm like, huh, do I have a problem with it? I just don't like it. I just don't draw. I draw a line differently than he does right now. Yeah. Cool. It's thicker, blacker. And needs reading glasses now. <laughs> <laughs> That's the problem with it. All right. Let's do die roll. Have a short episode this year or week. Good Lord. I don't know what I'm doing. All right. Got a few this week. Uh, so the first one I put out there is Tailspire. Wants to be the digital tabletop RPG system of your dreams. Well, nice. Yeah, it's on Kickstarter. So there's an article that points to the article. But if you want to go straight to the Kickstarter, I suppose I should have probably put a link into the the actual article. But I don't think it's older. It's blog. A little bit of clickbait. But anyways, it's fully funded. It's, I guess you could create your own 3D dungeon. I think I've seen some of these before. I don't know why one is more successful than another. I don't know if it's the ease of use. I don't know if it's the the, the price point. But I think eventually we should talk about that as an episode, Brett. Like, like, where, what? Where, like what is... What is the, like, if we were to predict the future of how tabletop RPGs look in 25 years, what what would they look like? Yeah, what's what technology and such is going to be in place? Yeah. Oh, huh, that's interesting. Um, So that you guys can check out that Kickstarter. I think it's it's fully funded, like $140,000. I think they needed $120,000. It goes until August 8th. Cool. Uh, Blake Ryan, or Blake Ryan, a BS from down under. He writes a review on tribality about salt marsh. Oh, cool. I'll have to look at that. So giving some Blake some love. Uh, check that out. Jared Rasher, another BSer and fellow gnome or fellow gnome and gnome from Gnome Stew wrote a review on the Jane Austen RPG. You know, I knew I think Kevin and a couple other people were talking about that. People were I in that indie game space, I knew a number of people who were like, "Ooh, this is going to be cool." I've heard, Did, of, I heard of it coming, but I, I don't, I don't, I've never read any Jane Austen. So it's I'm, been a very long time since I've read any Jane. And Austen. I'm way like I haven't read a shit ton of Lovecraft if at all, but at least the, or a, I shouldn't say the least, but a lot of the people I hang with, and a lot of podcasts and all this, all mm-hmm. always reference Lovecraft. Have you, have you done the Dunwich Horror yet? I haven't. I'm Dunwich listening, Horror. I'm listening to Lovecraft Country. I saw that, but seriously, yeah. do Dunwich Horror. It's very All important. Right. Okay, fine. 
All right. I will. So check out Jared's article on Jane Austen RPG. Um, and then I, yeah, me, Sean, went out and bought the D&D Essentials Kit and uh, at Target because it's only available in Target here in the U.S. up until a certain date. Mm-hmm. And I did an unboxing on YouTube. Were you impressed? I would have to say that if they did this as the first, so if this were the starter set, I'd be a thumbs up. Because it's it's just the box is even more like it's like kind of got a glossy feel to it. Okay. Um, the two booklets are like sixty five pages each with a with a th- more of a thicker bind. Like it's not a staple binding; it's a glue binding. Okay. Right where the I think the original starter kit was like staple bound. All right. Three, three staples, chunk chunk chunk. Um, they have some cards. And they have a set of dice with 3D6s and 2D20s. Cool. Right. So there are, but it's a little bit more pricey. It's like okay. 20, 25 bucks, 24.99, whatever. Where the starter kit was like, I think we can get it. I've got them as low as like 12. So I think overall production quality, you don't get any pre-gens. Ah, the only thing that I thought was kind of interesting after looking at it is you didn't get any pre-gens, which you did in the starter kit. Yeah, that is weird, actually. Yeah, but I think it's because they probably want you to create your own. True. Um, we've talked about this before. Making a character is a good way to get uh, updated on the rules. Yeah. How things function, so on and so forth, because when you build a character, there's some power in that. Comes with a map, two-sided map, which is pretty nice. It did not come in with a starter kit. So the production value is obviously higher. It has sidekick rules. Um, so there is the rule book, and then there is the ice uh, I Spire Peak uh, Adventure. And I thought, if you were to give this to somebody that's just starting out in D&D, it would be just, right, like, perfect. Nice. Okay. I, I think there is a little bit of a... I've seen some starter kits, like uh, starter boxes for Star Wars, that are even a little bit more elementary. Okay. Like, they'll give you a character, here's a starting pre-gen... Fill in these three blanks, and then you run an adventure, and at the end of this particular session, it's level up time. And then in the same character sheet, kind of like a folio, you turn the sheet, and it's time to upgrade or uh, level yeah. up. They show you, walks you through that process. It walks you through those very, very, like, obviously. Very Got obvious, it. man. In an obvious manner. So. Mm-hmm. I think it did all right. I have not seen the Pathfinder starter box. I heard that was done really well. Um, And I think Wes Schneider, who I thought at one time worked for Paizo, Mm -hmm. he was involved in this project. Interesting. I don't don't know if they kind of tapped him or if Wes had moved on from, he might have moved on from Paizo years ago, but I wonder if they tapped him specifically to help on some insight into making it like, we want to make this a very beginner box set. Beginner box. Um, but it's good. I would, uh, you know, if it's if it's something you're looking for, maybe. Cool. Yeah. So that's it. You know, we want to talk. You want to talk about next week? You want? You want? You want? What? What I want to talk about next week is yeah. you just you rolled out the fact you're going to be running massive Rylothotep. I am, and I was thinking about either journaling it. Record not recording the sessions because I don't think my group would want to do that. But 
I may just record something and put it out there and if people want to listen to it, that's fine. Probably more from a meta perspective. One of the things I was curious about is when it comes to, we've talked about pre, <clears throat> pre-published adventures and so forth versus others. And there's a thing that I, when I saw your adventure, it dawned on me like, this is one of the pieces for these massive adventures that are just classic, you know, um, from like you know, Cthulhu space or even Tomb of Horrors or uh, not Tomb of Horrors, excuse me, Temple of Elemental Evil, although it's not necessarily the best written. Return to Temple of Elemental Evil, much better written. It's this huge mega adventure. And I look at it and one of my first thoughts is like, I don't know if I'd ever get to the end of that. Oh, yeah. You know? So I kind of want to talk about that next time. These big ones like this, what are you going to do? How do you, you know, what happens when you don't make it? Do you try to force the endings? How do you do short circuit things and so on? So I'm thinking of talking about that next week. You down with that? So I'll just say I got to make it so ungodly, unbelievable. Good. It has to be so fucking good. So effing good, man. You can't not play this game. You cannot not play it. You have to. As a matter of fact, the one every other week game, they're gonna to want to play it every day. Yeah, it won't be good. It won't be enough. It won't be enough. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. All right, man. All right. Well, hey, thanks for tuning in this week, everybody. I appreciate it. I think that's it, man. I don't know. I haven't. I'm. I don't know. I'm. 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 No, every once in a while we've got a short show. This is kind of a short one. So yeah. let's let's wrap it up, let people go. Okay, well, we'll let you go. Have a nice day. <laughs> I'm Sean. I'm Brett. Good night and good game and all. This episode of Gaming and BS brought to you with the help from the following BSers. Graham Miner, Corey Wynn, Andy Hall, Hawk Sparrow, Larry Hout, Mark Tasaka, Pure Mongrel, Chris Steele, Ron Bishop, Thomas Hook, Wayne Humphrey, Craig, Brandon Barnes, Laramie Wall, Dan LaValle, Jason Hobbs, Sky, Roger Braslett, John Hammersley, Old School DM, Perry Besor, Michael Dinos, Jim Fitzpatrick, Christopher Gray, Bruce Cunnington, John Kayward, Corey Gonzalez, Eileen Barnes, Robert Nemeth, Nile Diamond, Angus, Howard Bishop, Stephen Dragonspawn, Mark Anthony Benedetti, Eric Salzwedo, Trevor Davis, The Closet Gamer, Jeff Goad, Aaron Coleman, Ray Otis, C.W. Mellencamp, Craig Huber, Rich Wishon, Chad Glayman, Finolf, Merkel Froilich, Lord Tentacle, Joe Swick, Curtis Takahashi, Josh Wallace, Kevin Lovecraft, Andy Olson, Tony Sugarloaf Baker, and Jeff Seifert. For ways to support the show, head over to gamingnbs.com forward slash support dash us. Thanks, BSers! This has been a Litterbox Studio production. production.